0: Reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Six days later, Jesus took, him, took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, "'This is my son, the beloved. "'With him I am well pleased. "'Listen to him.' "'When the disciples heard this, "'they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. "'But Jesus came and touched them, saying, "'Get up and do not be afraid.' "'And when they looked up, "'they saw no one except Jesus himself alone, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, "Tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead." The Gospel of the Lord. Be to God.
1: Thank you, Alan. You may all be seated. God's grace and peace to each of you this morning. I went to a retirement party this Thursday and I bumped into an old friend in the coat room. I was hanging up my jacket, but he was putting his on. Bummer to meet in passing, I said. How are you? I'm fine, he said. Okay, I thought. More to the story there, but it's not my business, so change the topic, Berglund. "'So where are you running off to?' I asked. He took a breath and said, "'I'm headed out on a date.' I tried not to look confused. "'This guy is married. I've seen his wedding pictures.' He saw the gears spinning in my brain, and he continued, "'I'm going through a divorce. It's not really public yet.' It's a good thing, but it's hard. That's what I meant when I said, I'm fine. I should have just told you, it always feels better after I tell people. I did all the empathetic things that any of you would do. Hugged him, offered to cook him dinner, wished him luck on his date. But I haven't been able to stop thinking about our exchange He had a choice to make in that coat room. There was something at stake for him because he possessed a truth close to his heart, but it wasn't visible to the world yet. And he knew that once he shared it, it would surprise me and I would never be able to see him the same way again. It was a risk to reveal what was deep within him. Why did he take it? Well, Jesus climbs a mountain today, and I think it's significant that he does not go alone. He takes with him three of his closest disciples, and there, in the company of his trusted friends, he is transfigured before them, clothes of dazzling white, face shining, the voice of heaven booming, this reality that here is the Son of God. Jesus is revealing to them a truth he has been carrying all along, that the God who has been bringing freedom to this world since the beginning, the one who is at work in the past through Moses and Elijah, is now at work in him. And it's not just the past. In Jesus' transfiguration, we get a glimpse of God's promised future. The bleached clothes and the pervasive brightness are signs of resurrection, of a world made new by the strength of God's love. There is something extraordinary and cosmic happening in and through Jesus. And he wanted his friends to see it. And I wonder if, like my friend in the coat room, there was something at stake for Jesus here too. I wonder if he was nervous about revealing this hidden truth about himself because he knew that once he was transfigured in front of his friends— it would surprise them, and they would never be able to see him the same way again. It was a risk to reveal what was deep within him, and yet he chooses to take it. Why? We, we all find ourselves like Jesus and my friend in the coat room. Each of us hold some realities, some truths deep within us, close to our hearts, truths which are consequential but not yet visible. Jesus holds one, and it's pure glory, beauty so stunning it terrifies. My friend holds one that carries with it deep pain, But what they have in common is that they are a surprise. They are a reminder that there is always more than meets the eye. That reality is always more complex than the scripts we write for it. And that truth always catches us off guard and interrupts the smooth flow that we suppose life will take. And I know, I know each one of you is sitting here with a bit of truth that you're living. You are all more than meets the eye. You all contain matters that would interrupt the smooth flow of life were you to speak them. I know this, there are griefs you bear, hopes you harbor, fears and worries, demons that you face down daily, diagnoses you weather, words you long to speak, families you support, and passions and gifts that sit around and gather dust within you. What is it in you this morning? What is not visible but close to your heart? What bit of truth do you hold that would interrupt And surprise were you to speak it. And here's the thing about truth we can't control what happens once we speak it out into the world. And so there is always, always a risk to taking what is inside of us safe within our heart and letting it loose into the world. So that's why we look for the times and the places and the people who are meant to bear that truth with us. We find the people and places and times that make it easier to take that risk. We call up a friend, find a support group. We figure out some way to name out loud the truth of what we're living through. And why do we do that? The best answer I can give comes from the basement of a church in Manhattan. I worked for a summer there at Trinity Lutheran Church on the Upper West Side, and this congregation had discerned that God was calling them to be a shelter for homeless LGBTQ youth. New York has a substantial amount of them because a lot of kids get kicked out of their home in other places of the country, and then hop a bus to New York and assume that they're going to find acceptance there. But as gay-friendly as the city is, it is also really, really expensive. And so a lot of these youth were finding themselves stranded on the streets, knowing nobody with no place to turn. And so this church converted its basement to a shelter for them. And I decided to volunteer one night. The lead volunteer trained me, and this woman was in the shelter nearly every night without getting paid for it, and she said this. You know, I started out just like you, a one-time volunteer motivated by a sense of duty. But do you know what happened on my first night? One of the boys came into the shelter, and then he disappeared into the bathroom with a bag. And a couple minutes later... I saw his head poke out from behind the door, and he made sure the room was clear except for me, and then he darted out, and he was wearing this flowing skirt. The price tag was still attached, and he gave a twirl, and the skirt billowed open, and it was beautiful, a moment of pure delight. And then he darted back into the bathroom and changed into his jeans. It was just one twirl, she said, but what it was telling me was so profound. Here was this youth saying, there's a lot going on in here that nobody sees, and I want to let you in. I knew right then, she said, that I would be volunteering here a lot. Because this shelter is more than walls and a roof, roof, It's a place for people to show the truth that they've had to keep inside for so long. Why do we take the risk? Why do we share those interrupting truths? We take the risk because truth is not designed to stay inside of us. Life is too short for us to fit ourselves into the script it hands us. And the invitation in our faith is not to live the life that meets the eye, but to respond to the one that surprises us. And sharing and receiving the truth within us, telling the things close to our hearts, and listening to those of others, that is the best way to respond to life's interruptions and surprises. And besides the things that touch our hearts, they're too big for us to hold on our own. We need others to join us, to simply witness what we're living through, to intensify our joys and help hold our hurts. Truth is not meant to stay locked up inside us. It is meant to be shared. There's this moment In the Transfiguration story today, where Peter wants to build a dwelling place for Jesus. And I've preached sermons about how this is a bad thing because it's trying to put God in a box and you just can't do that. But I hear Peter's words differently today. What if he's just trying to be a good friend? What if he's saying, Hey, Jesus, This whole divinity thing, it's unexpected and I don't really understand it, but I can see that it's close to your heart and important to you. And I'm so honored that you let me in. Do you need to rest? I can build us a place and we can just be there together. And maybe Jesus says no, not because what Peter is doing is foolish, but because Peter, in his friendship, is already being a booth, a dwelling place to Jesus. When he witnesses the truth that Jesus is sharing and receives it with empathy and wonder, his friendship becomes the shelter for Jesus and his vulnerable heart and the truth that he needed to share. And perhaps this is our call, too, When the truth of our story is too big for us to hold alone, but it's not the right time for everyone to hear it, we need to find someone to be a dwelling place for us. To give us shelter, to hold our truth that interrupts our lives. And maybe you can't find it in other people, but you can always find it in God, in prayer. God is a very good dwelling place. Or maybe your call is to be that for someone else. Maybe someone is coming to you and it feels like they're opening up their chest and handing you their heart. Be a shelter to them. Hold space with empathy and wonder. And don't just do it to be nice or good. Do it because of what God does and what God promises to do there. For these truths aren't just interruptions. They are part of how God shakes God's love loose into the world and transfigures us. Speaking our truth changes us and it changes the people who hear it. My friend who shared about his divorce not only lightened his load, but it led me to preach this sermon. That single twirl of the skirt not only began to integrate this youth's interior and exterior worlds, it changed the course of life for this volunteer. And as Jesus walks down this mountain toward Jerusalem, He knows his friends will have this glorious memory to cling to when it all starts to crumble around them, and they watch as Jesus is betrayed and suffers. And Jesus can go to the cross knowing that there was one moment where he was fully revealed for all that he was. What grace. Amen.